0: Alright, thank you everyone for joining us today in this episode. I'd like to introduce to you a good friend, uh, Ducks Raymond Sai. He's the Chief Brand Officer at Afpoint. He's also a prolific speaker, podcaster, tech community influencer, and food connoisseur. And you should definitely catch his videos that talk about tech and food. They're, they're amazing. And not to be left out, he's a husband and father to two kids who he occasionally features in some of his crazy antics, uh, and you can see them. So uh, Ducks, for those who don't know you, Uh, just explain to us you know a little bit about your background where you're from
1: Absolutely. well first and foremost thank you thank you jeremy for this opportunity and uh for friends watching uh it's great to meet you so again my name is ducks raymond sai and maybe i started my name ducks is my real name (laughs) and yes i have my ducks in a row (laughs) it's it's a latin origin of the word duke so Ah. some history around that name so i'm originally from uh, the philippines born and raised there and my dad, at one point, he, my late father, he read uh, a lot of Latin works. And he thought, wow, Dux is a great name because it means leader or somebody of, of uh, 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 nobility, right? And uh, so he said, and, and when they had me, they he gave me this name to be unique. Growing up, it was a tough name, as you may imagine. Kids can be mean. So right. I, growing up, I would go by my, my middle name, which is Raymond. Until late in high school, one of my buddies was like, It's a cool name. Nobody has that. Docs, right? Three letters. So you should go with that. So then I, I kind of reclaimed my name. And since then, I, I go with Docs. But my middle name's Raymond. Uh, I'm born and raised in Manila, Philippines. And um, I moved to the United States in 1996, shortly after the Atlanta Olympics. And I remember that because I moved to Atlanta, Georgia to uh, finish my studies. I have a degree in uh, telecommunications engineering and a minor in math so i came out of school as a techie as a coder my first real job was to be an assembler programmer for a small german company called siemens (laughs) (laughs) and as i was doing that while i enjoyed coding i enjoyed programming it didn't take long i realized you know i actually would prefer being in front of people or talking to people Nothing wrong with coding, but I just couldn't spend the rest of my days, the rest of my life doing that. So shortly after that, I teamed up one of my uh, friends in Atlanta. We started a small business consulting company. And we focus on the Microsoft Stack, where we pretty much help companies with software. We build custom software using Microsoft technologies. And one of the first things we did is uh, we build custom intranets. And at that time we were using ASP. Microsoft had technologies called Microsoft Site Server. I don't know if you all remember it. This was their first CMS. They had Microsoft CMS. And I distinctly recall I was on a project with a customer here in DC, a government customer, uh, right around 2000. And this customer's like, hey, we work close with Microsoft. They gave us this you know, some, some new project they called Tahoe and, and this was the the beginnings of SharePoint. So I got to see it. I got to play with it. I'm like, wow, this is cool. Because at that time um, I was helping their PMO, their project management office with not only this collaboration system. So project managers can better collaborate, but I was also helping them with project at that time, project central, which Mm -hmm. became project server and project online. So in addition to my tech background, as a result of my work, I also have background project management. I'm a project management professional, and I help PMOs set up these project management systems. And when SharePoint came out, I'm like, this is perfect because these project management systems, while it's great, it's very complex. So I noticed a lot of project managers would often just use email and Excel. While they may have Primavera, Project Central, it, it's too cumbersome. Even mm-hmm. Microsoft Project is too cumbersome for some people. But when SharePoint came out, I'm like, wow, this is perfect bridge between email and these complex project management systems. So when I got to play with, uh, at that time, it's called Tahoe and then Windows SharePoint Services and then it's called SharePoint Portal Server, etc. I uh, I had the opportunity to work with O'Reilly Media and. I wrote the very, one of the very first business-focused books around SharePoint. I wrote SharePoint for Project Management, uh, which was targeted to project managers on how to take advantage of SharePoint for different phases in their project. So the book, hmm. while it's technical, it's written from a project management perspective. I had the opportunity to write uh, two, I, I guess, two editions of it as uh, the versions of SharePoint changed. And then, uh, yeah, I, Seven years ago, I joined AppPoint as a CTO of public sector and had the opportunity to uh, help marketing at AppPoint. And a few months ago, I I took on this new role as a chief brand officer. So kind of long-winded story, but it's it's just an amazing journey. I'm so grateful. And it's been 18, 19 years and, and the
0: industry is still very exciting. That's amazing. Yeah, I can't believe you didn't mention FrontPage. FrontPage had to be in there somewhere.
1: Oh, I don't use the F word anymore.
0: <laughs> but it's always glad. I'm always glad to talk to somebody else who who went the same route I did. ASP, ASP.net through the whole. Yeah, actually. I mean, look, I even started before ASP. I did Perl.
1: I did yep. CGI, yep. right? And and obviously FrontPage. And at that time, you know, being a developer, I I, I can't tell people I use FrontPage. Right?
0: <laughs> I, I use Notepad,
1: and I I would
0: hand code everything. Uh, FrontPage was amazing for its time. People, people dogged it out. I mean, you had Dreamweaver on the other side, right? It's the same thing.
1: Yeah, I, frankly, I prefer Dreamweaver because FrontPage generated a lot of code and they stuck it in that magical VTI bin folder, right? Yep, right. That's true. <laughs> and, uh, but boy, it's just amazing to see how the industry has
0: evolved. So so you moved here in 96. What made you want to get into IT specifically versus something else? Sure. I
1: mean, as a, as a kid growing up in, uh, in Manila, I, I was drawn to technology um, at a young age, and I remember my, my, my dad, he, um, I think I was sixth grade, somehow I convinced him to buy uh, a computer, a personal computer, because we had it in school, and at that time it was very expensive, uh, you know, he, he saved up money, worked hard, and I come from a very big family, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm second among seven kids. Wow. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just buying something. So he, he saved his money and, and I convinced him to buy this, uh, 286. Then <laughs> I was just amazed on what you could do. And, and then I got the, this crazy idea because I started seeing, I, I, I subscribe or I, I go to our library because they have popular science magazine. And then suddenly they, they wrote this thing around scanners, I'm like I should get a scanner. So my very first scanner was black and white. Again, hooked it up and then I got into, um, uh, uh, uh amateur radio. I don't know if you're familiar. Mm-hmm. So I got into amateur radio, uh, UHF and VHF. I got a license for that. I hook up antennas at home. So I was always drawn to technology, uh, but more specifically around creating, um, something software in this case. Uh, but being able to not only create it and use it, but also some, in, in some ways to use it, to communicate and collaborate. Mm-hmm. I started hooking up my VHF radio to my computer and send signals. It's like crazy stuff. I would just follow instructions on popular science.
0: Right. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. I remember you, I remember ham, ham radios, right? Ham radio. Ham radio. Yeah. 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 Interactive. Yeah. Cube
1: codes and, uh, yep. you know, all the 10 codes, right? That's amazing.
0: So you've been in IT for a while, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and you've had some varying experiences in your own business and in and, AvPoint and, and, and just trying to drive forward um, some of the great technologies that are out there. When you look at IT as, as, as a, a landscape, wh- what about IT would you change if, if somebody came upon you and said, "Ducks, you have the power today. Today is your day. Uh, you get to make the change. What would you change yeah. about the way we do IT? You
1: know, one thing, one thing, I would say is there's still a lot of work needed to democratize IT and make it much more inclusive. You know, what's, what's exciting in the past couple of years, especially because of the cloud is the barrier to entry is much lower now, right? As I've described earlier, when I was a kid, buying computers was so expensive. Not anybody and everybody can have an opportunity. If, if my late father didn't do that, I wouldn't be where I am today because I wouldn't be as interested or, i may go into a different direction so i think number one is there's still a lot more work that needs to be done in lowering the barrier to entry uh living here in north america or maybe in some other um, uh, uh, developed countries is we may not see that but we're the minority there's still a big part of the world that doesn't have access and it's the basic stuff right access to the internet like today during covid even in north america it's just heartbreaking to see where we have kids who would because of on, because they can't go to school they have to do online learning in the morning they would be dropped off in a parking lot at a taco bell to get wi-fi right or you would see parents after work drive their kids into a local public library so they can have wi-fi access to me that's not acceptable especially here right what about other countries i know there are developing countries in southeast asia or africa where because there's no internet access the 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 school would literally print schoolwork and have parents pick it up, and then kids somehow would have to figure it out, or the parents would have to teach them, where the parents may not have that capability. So I think democratizing IT is is one area that still needs to um, to to be improved upon. And second, related to that, right? We can always, you know put the burden on tech companies. Hey, you know, tech companies should do more government should do more. But I would say, and I would pose a challenge to people like you and me, there's so much we can do as technologists. We know the benefits cause we're reaping the fruits of it. But I, I say we're we have this responsibility and accountability to do more beyond, mm-hmm. you know, writing a blog or beyond posting a video, we should help, people uh, be it our local community or if we can do in a certain way you know do trainings online uh simple things right like teachers today aren't equipped to do virtual learning they're doing the best they can why don't why don't we teach them why don't we mentor them or maybe uh you know boys and girls club is doing a lot of great work in providing support to a lot of underprivileged kids. And, and they keep asking for devices because they don't have enough. So, you know, other families don't have the ways and means to purchase it. We can help, right? So I think we as technologists should step up and do more. And then the third thing in IT uh, that can be done is, is just providing more equity and opportunity mm-hmm. while, we're seeing a change don't get me wrong we're providing opportunities to uh different uh people coming from different backgrounds be it race gender religion i think one area of opportunity we can open up further is for people with differing abilities right people with uh, neurodiversity uh oftentimes you know society has a stigma placed on people with different abilities. But boy, I tell you, the smartest people I've met recently are, are people with uh, different abilities. So I think organizations should, you know, provide more opportunities and have that type of uh, equality to uh, uh, all kinds of people.
0: That's interesting. I like your, I like the third point you made there. When I worked at USDA many years ago, USDA has got a really nice thing called the Target Center that investigates and examines all the latest technology that help with accessibility for different, you know, different people, people who have different ways of communicating or different ways of of utilizing equipment, and they have it there for them to play with, see what's going to work for them, and then they'll order it, get it in so that they can be as productive as you and I in as as many ways as possible. That's, That's a very interesting point. And I also like you know, I think we've had some interaction on Twitter around, around that, how do we get involved and solve this crazy problem of students here in America not having access to internet um, or, or, or the devices even, right? Even if they had the internet, maybe they don't have the devices for the number of uh, kids in the household. And you're right, those are definitely um, challenges that we all need to step up and. Yeah, and help because with. sometimes I feel like we overthink it and, and I, I do believe
1: people want to help, right? But oftentimes the mentality is like, Well, I can't travel to the other part of the world, or it's too much, or it's too big. You'd be surprised on how much we can do just stepping outside the door, right? I was just speaking with somebody yesterday. I was sharing something that I I saw in Texas. Uh, There's a school system. What they've done, because there's really no school, they've deployed, they partner with a local telco, and they put um, uh, high powered Wi Fi hotspots on school bus, and they would just park it in areas where they know families may not have access to the internet right wow that simple idea with this other person i was talking it's like wow that's a great idea i know our local school superintendent i'm going to tell them about it and see how we can help right yep. and and again sure companies and organizations need to help more but we as individuals we could do a lot you would be surprised
0: yeah if nothing else generating the ideas and getting them to the right people right and then and then being willing to volunteer and help in any way yeah. possible uh, as they try to execute it. I
1: mean, another idea, I, I especially <laughs> for a lot of folks watching, if you're part of a user group, I, I came across this user group, I think in Europe somewhere, what they've done is they've adopted local nonprofits and helped them for their it needs. Mm. Because as you know, nonprofits today are, 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 trying to survive. They don't have, you know, as, as much donations, they don't have as much resources. Right. So what this user group did, you know what, outsource your IT needs to us, and we will commit at least in the next year to be your IT. So, so in this case, right, you now the, the, the user group took on, adopted an organization they can help, and obviously everybody took different responsibilities at, at the very least. It's not too overwhelming for one person. So that's another thing we could do. We still have user groups, and I see a lot of user groups doing online learning or, or trainings, virtual meetups, which is great, but I, I challenge user groups Adopt a local nonprofit, adopt a local, maybe, you know, school system where you can train teachers.
0: Wow. I'll take that as a challenge since I run a local user group. Oh, so, there you uh, go.
1: I wasn't talking about you.
0: But. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that you even knew that. So yeah, but it's a good yeah, challenge because there's a lot of us, you're right. There's a lot of really smart people interacting in these user groups and we are local, right? We're all local. Yes. And so yes. we can, yeah, take action. It's a great idea. I, I, I that would be, that'll definitely be a topic in our next, uh, there our next you go. so then, Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot of really great ideas. So so where, so where do you see either yourself or just our industry? Where do you see, where do you see us heading? What's the future look like? Right. Maybe five year horizon for, um, for yourself or for, for the things you're trying to get accomplished.
1: Yeah. So, so for me, right. I think the last seven, eight months has been a inflection point for a lot of us. I'm, while while this whole pandemic situation certainly it's not good um it it has impacted and affected a lot of people and families in in not so good ways on the other side it's really exciting to see how technology can be a great enabler and technology can be a great um, solution in times like this right imagine if if technology did not exist like how can we continue working? How can we continue schooling? How can we fulfill uh, the needs of you know people, especially the elderly who can't go out? So, so with that being said, is I'm, I'm very hopeful that technology can continue to help and make society a better place. And for me personally, uh, I'm really thinking about okay, other than my day job, other than the the work that I do, outside of that, how can we, we or, or myself use this knowledge around technology or the possibilities of technology to contribute more to society can help others more. And maybe not just the knowledge, right? The, the fact that, uh, you know, we're, we're interconnected in this ecosystem. How can I help connect those thoughts and say, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, the, this team from Microsoft that's doing this kind of work. And there's this organization that may have this need, uh, be more intentional in doing that. Um, as an industry, Again, there's, there's a, a whole lot that we still have to do, but it's encouraging to see that as an industry, we're realizing technology at the end of the day is about people, right? And we're seeing now the intentional focus of, for example, you know, the biggest company, value company in the world, Microsoft, is, is like, yeah, we make all this technology, but at the end of the day, it's about people. Take care of people. Make sure, you know, we, we don't get overwhelmed. We don't get burnt out. We don't get stressed. Well. Some people may think it's a marketing ploy. Oh, you know, uh, work life balance or, you know, self care. These are very important things. So that's, that's the assuring part that while technology is great, but these companies not forgetting and really focusing on the well-being of people, be it their employees or their community, et cetera.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Well, Dux, I want to thank you for spending time with me this afternoon and having this conversation. And uh, your insights are always uh, enlightening and uh, challenging, right? In terms of just self-challenging, things we should be doing more. So I I just thank you for, uh, you know, being willing to sit down for this interview today.
1: Of course. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy, anytime. And uh, again, feel free if if, uh, y'all want to connect or have a chat, hit me up on LinkedIn or Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I'm I'm all over.
0: (laughs) All right. Thank you again.
1: Bye.